Welcome to the Whole Food Vegan Podcast. Exciting vegan food, no crap, no agenda. Helping you enjoy a wonderfully varied, tasty, easy to prepare and nutritious whole food plant-based diet. Simple tip, easy recipes and helpful hints on how to get more enticing vegan meals into your diet. Usually recorded after a bottle of Merlot on a Friday night. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Whole Food Vegan Podcast. I'm Mark. Hi, I'm Sue. And Sue's not feeling very well today, are you? No, I'm a bit croaky. Sorry. A bit croaky, bit of a cold. But I have to say it's the first cold I've had in about three years. So Since you've been vegan, yeah, Absolutely, I think. yeah. I think it's yeah. actually tonsillitis, but there we go. Oh dear, oh dear. So the, what we're going to do this week, we're just going to start out, start off by... Um, a quick shout out. So we've been looking at the statistics of the, of the podcast and we're going to give a shout out to all of the places that have listened to this podcast. And we're going to start off with Newton Abbott in Devon, Tinmouth in Devon, Ontario, California, Auburn, California, Walls in North Tyneside, Letchworth Garden City in Hearts, Rickmansworth, Hertfordshire, Sacramento, California, New York, New York. So good they named it twice. Biggles <laughs> Wade, Central Heart, Bedfordshire. Windsor Mill, Maryland. Litchfield, Minnesota. Leighton, Walton Forest. So thank you to all of those people, literally all the way around the world, UK, America, California, um, to the the States, uh, Canada. Thank you. Um, We really appreciate it. And please do feel free to give us a little comment on the blog. Uh, on the main website govegan.online and you'll find all of these podcasts and their places to comment do let us know where you are listening from because it really helps us again kind of structure the podcast and perhaps think about different ingredients from different parts of the world particularly if we've got listeners from that part of the world so what we're going to talk about uh, in this episode well we're going to talk a bit about food co-ops and how they can help if you're vegan and buying lots of bulk buying of tins and stuff like that yeah also, we're going to talk about CSAs, which are community-supported agriculture schemes. And then we've got a little bit on the menu. We're going to talk about pie, my favourite subject to talk about, burgers and roast, sweet potatoes. And we're also going to talk about the food processor. Food processor. <laughs> I'll complete the sentence for you. <laughs> I can't speak, sorry. Um, and recipe of the week is Kung Po cauliflower, which is so good that we've actually had it twice in about 10 days. Yeah. And then our ingredient of the week is flax seeds. So we've got a great episode. So Sue, tell us tell us about food co-ops. So food co-ops are buying groups, basically. And if you are doing a lot of whole food vegan shopping, as we are, you'll probably find that you buy a lot of the same things continuously. And you can um, basically save money by grouping up with other people and buying what is essentially a wholesale size order and splitting it between the group of you. So different households will buy different quantities of the food. Say it was a tin of I know, chickpeas. You can buy 20 tins in a case and get it at a much cheaper price. And the idea is that somebody coordinates the order and basically you all get it at the discounted wholesale price. So there's quite a lot of work involved, but there are quite a few of these out and about. And you've just joined one here. I've just you? joined one uh, for Suma. So there seem to be sort of two primary places. There's Suma and Essentials. And both of them offer the ability to liaise with one individual in a local community and put in a bulk order. Yeah, so, there's also another one down here, I think, called Infinity, okay. which is based in Brighton. So I'll let you know in a future episode how that goes with me joining that. 
Uh, but I think that's, that could be a really good way of getting the cost of food down. Yeah, I mean, if you want to buy particularly organic food, which a lot of people do, um, this gives you the ability to kind of buy it at a cost price rather than paying a supermarket to import it from this you know, wholesaler. You can kind of cut out the supermarket, which for a lot of people is a really good environmental choice. Um, but also, you know, you're working with other people in a similar group who are interested in whole food cookery and, you know, who knows, you might even make some friends out of it. But primary objective really for most people is to kind of save money and cut out supermarket and get really good quality store cupboard essentials um, at a lower cost. So have a look and see if there's some near you. And another thing we wanted to introduce you to was community supported agriculture schemes. So I was first introduced to this about three or four years ago in West Dorset and we had an amazing community supported agriculture. So CSAs, community supported agriculture, the basic principle is that you pay for your vegetables a whole year in advance and the grower will have a set acreage of land and they'll know how much veg they can grow to support the number of people so it might be 50 60 couple of hundred people so the csa will put out and say okay we we want 200 people they're all going to give us 400 pounds a year whatever it is and the grower gets the money up front and the advantage to that is that their income and security is known which means they then don't need to use the uh, chemicals and sprays on the crops to try and protect them because that's why a farmer would normally do it to ensure their income and protect it against pests but they don't need to do that and that obviously the upside for the CSA members is that you get to share each week your portion of whatever the CSA grows and in our experience it was incredible yeah the volume of stuff that we had it was huge variety was massive that's yeah. that's the thing is variety so <laughs> usually what a grower will do is they'll stick with a few so a few varieties so take tomatoes as an example they'll stick with a few varieties of tomatoes that they know gives them a high yield and grows very simply and very easily and they're not willing to take risks why would they it's their livelihoods at stake whereas with a community supported agriculture scheme they are more likely to take risks with some more of the um, obscure perhaps some of the older varieties of tomato and we would get a huge variety of tomatoes and when you amplify that and say it's loads of different types of uh, salad leaf of tomatoes of cucumbers of all sorts of, of fruit and vegetables we would get stuff that we'd never been introduced to before different varieties and it was it was incredible so i would definitely recommend you look out for a community supported agriculture scheme locally to you mm, yeah it's a really good idea okay so on the menu this week we have your favorite subject which is pie we do why is that well, why is it my favourite subject? Yeah. You just love <laughs> I pie. I just love, I love pie. I love any opportunity to eat pie. And I, th I think, I do like pie anyway, but I think years ago, I went vegetarian about 15 years ago, and pies were really difficult to come by. So I went through sort of a, a drought in pies for about 10 years because you couldn't buy vegetarian pie and at that point we had young children it, we weren't really into cooking too much at home we used to buy a lot of the food um, and we just didn't I didn't have pie whereas now I've discovered how easy it is to make pastry yeah you didn't realize how I didn't know I was better before I didn't realize so I make my own pastry and it, it it's quicker than getting it out of the packet so if I'm gonna make a pie 
I'll take six ounces of flour, three ounces of vegan butter, whiz it up so it goes to little sort of crumbles in the whizzer, and then just dribble in water until very, very slowly, uh, dribble in water until you get the consistency of a dough. Yeah, it's St- really Stick simple. it in the fridge, roll it out. Bob yeah. your uncle. And that's plain flour you're using. That's plain there. flour. Yeah. But equally you could make it with gluten free flours as well. Yeah, I don't it's a bit I, trickier, but Yeah, it'd be more difficult to do because of the because of the gluten, it wouldn't hold mm. together so well. And you wanted to talk about um accidentally vegan pastry. Yeah, so it's one of those things that you just assume as a vegan that you can't eat uh things like flaky pastry because you know, generally it's made with layers of butter. And for those of you who don't know, the reason it's flaky pastry is because there's lots of layers of butter in between the layers of flour. And uh, that's what makes it flaky because it's very buttery. But actually, if you go to the supermarket and you take one out of the freezer or out of the chiller cabinet and actually look at a packet of frozen or chilled puff pastry, nine times out of ten, it's actually made with oil because that's how commercial makers... It's cheaper to do. Yeah, it's cheaper. So you can actually eat it. So it's not... It's not a product which is named as a vegan product, but it is by accident vegan. And we're going to talk about that again a bit more in another issue, um, another episode. But but check it out. You know, go to your local supermarket and have a look. Is it actually containing anything that is, uh, you know, non-vegan? I mean, certainly the bigger commercial makers now are, are literally labeling it up as vegan friendly because they mm. realize people are going out and buying it. But again, just as easily, you could make your own if you wanted to at home. Same with sweet pastry, just adding sugar to it. So it's pretty simple and it gives you a wealth of opportunities um, to make all sorts of pies, pasties, pastries, you know, I've always straws. got a block of puff pastry in the freezer. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's just so useful. Yeah. And we made a pie this week, didn't we, with... Um, uh, just a whole load of vegetables in a dish we roasted and then we stirred in kind of a sauce. A very thick, just made a very gravy. thick gravy. And then we just put a layer of puff pastry on the top and baked it in the oven. It was Fabulous. fantastic. Mm. And another one of my favourite subjects is burgers. So <laughs> I make uh, a huge amount of burgers. Uh, one of the reasons I do that is because they are so simple. Uh, they are really nutritious, so I use a lot of beans, and it's a really good way to get a high protein intake by making burgers uh, with beans. Or you could use uh, tofu. Or you could tempeh. use tofu. Yeah, uh, tofu, tempeh work equally well, and um, very similar lines are things like nut roasts. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do in this section is rather than give you a specific recipe and say, right, put this and this and this together and this is how you cook it. I wanted to give some broad principles of how I make a burger and how I make a nut roast. And when you've got a broad principle, you can make it with a wider range of ingredients. You're not stuck to having to use the ingredients that that you are told to use. So burgers first. The way I make my burgers is usually go with something that will mash up. So typically that would be tofu can work really well. But if I use tofu and and it's mashed, I will always put beans in it as well. So you want something that mashes. Any type of bean will do. So butter beans, chickpeas, uh, I use a lot of black beans, any, any bean will do. So all I do is I take the beans, sometimes a bit of tofu as well, some herbs and spices, uh, flax seeds, and we're going to talk a little bit about flaxseed uh, later on as well as our ingredient of the week. Always a bit of nooch. Mm-hmm. We had spoke about nooch last week, I think it was, so yeah. a bit of nutritional yeast. And some herbs and spices, and I give it a whiz. When you give it a whiz, you want it to come out into a fairly thick consistency that you can mould with your hands. If it's too dry, 
then add in a little bit of water or oil. If it's too wet, then I just sprinkle over some chickpea flour, some gram flour, just sprinkle that over, give it another whiz, and that will dry out. And then um, I, I just pat them into a burger shape with my hands, put them into the fridge for a bit. That just makes them a bit easier to handle when you fry them or put them in the, in the air fryer. You can actually put them in the freezer as well if you're short on time, can't you? Absolutely. Quite quickly. Yeah. Yep. So that's how I make burgers. And they are so quick and easy to make. <laughs> I also make uh, a nut roast in a very similar way. So again, last week we had, or might have been the week before, we had a roast dinner. Oh, we haven't got anything to have. We've got all the vegetables, but what should we have? So oh, we'll make a nut roast. So look in the cupboard, and I had some pecan nuts. I had some cashew nuts. I, think I had some peanuts. I actually had some chestnuts as mm. well. I literally put them all in the whizzer, whizzed it um, all up together, again with some flaxseed, a little bit of gram flour, to get it to, to be like, a, it, it, it was very dry, mm. to get it to the consistency of how you would see sort of packet stuffing come out of the, of, the, of the box. So I got it literally to that consistency. When I was happy that it was all ground down, um, I put in some um, uh, breadcrumbs, that works really well. So breadcrumbs, nuts, whizzed it all up. And then I just literally just add, put it in a bowl, add a little bit of water to that went to the consistency of stuffing, then put it into a roasting tin, covered it, roasted it for about 45 minutes, and then for the last 10 minutes took the covering off. Hmm. And, and it, work, it works brilliantly. It's, so it's kind of like, it's why do I need to go and buy a packet? Mm. And as long as I keep the store cupboard staples in and keep this, this variety of nuts, you just make what you want out of it yeah and i've even made a nut roast out of desperation um out of a chickpea sort of mix basically like a falafel mix um and just shoved it in a tin and baked it and it's fine and you know again i've had a roast dinner sometimes where i haven't got a lot of stuff in and i'm kind of you know scraping the barrel at the end of the week and i've literally just roasted a block of tofu with some oil and spices that can work fabulously yeah. a block of tofu uh, some uh, some tips with tofu if you're going to roast tofu score the top of it so put some lines in it stick in some cloves mm. into where you've scored and then make a mixture like of, a marinade like a marinade yeah you can make a marinade out of maple syrup um uh, soya mm -hmm. um Oh, all sorts of stuff like whatever you want like a bit of nooch probably but you know something spicy like a bit of chili sauce anything will do chili sauce soy sauce something sweet marinate it for a little while in the fridge and then marinate and then cook it in that marinade and it's absolutely incredible but you've got to remember to take the uh, take the clothes out <laughs> afterwards yeah that that works brilliantly and when you've got some sugar in that marinade as well you get a really nice sort of sticky glaze. outer glaze mm. to the tofu that's fabulous and then the novelty recipe of the week this week is uh, we made sweet potato pizza didn't we we did from the from it was a bbc recipe and again i'll put the link in the show notes it was quite interesting because we both made it individually and we made it slightly differently, although we followed the recipe, which is often what happens with us too. Um, <clears throat> we both had slightly different results. So I know that you made yours first and you followed the recipe exactly and it doesn't bake it blind. Um, and you said it was not very crispy in the middle because it was obviously a sweet potato. So this, is, this is the pizza base is made out of sweet potato. And it's literally cooked mashed sweet potato whizzed with oil. And, that makes and a little bit of flour. And some oat, oat flour. flour. Um, and oat flour you literally make by whizzing up the oats <coughs> excuse me 
So I knew from your experience that actually I was going to pre-bake mine. So I did that when I made it. And actually, I think mine came out a bit better. Did you make yours on a pizza stone? No, I didn't. Yeah, so I, I did, I've got a pizza, what we both have. I did, mm. I made mine on the pizza stone. Mm. And yeah, you blind baked your pizza base first. And yeah. I think that's what I would do next time is to blind bake it so yeah. give it a go i'll put a link in the show notes it was really good and you know another way again of getting more veg into your diet if that's your prime objective of eating a vegan diet is to get more veg and more nutrients and sweet potatoes have got loads of vitamins they're really good for you yeah and really if good. You, you know again it's gluten-free if you're making it with oat flour um if you're gluten-free that might be something that you want to try perfect and our tip of the week this week is to get yourself a food processor. Oh, I couldn't live without my food oh, processor. Oh, do you know what? It's the best 25 quid I've ever spent, I reckon, because, I mean, everything we've talked about today has involved making it with the slow. Well, um, we make cakes, pastry, the burgers. Yeah, everything. The nut roast. We start with sweet potato. It's just everything uses food the food processor. And, I mean, you've got quite an expensive jobby one haven't you but uh mine yeah like yeah, a, a bosch one yeah. yeah mine is actually a really cheap one from a basically a household shop and it was 25 quid and it came with a free uh, liquidizer attachment and that is something that i find really useful for making soups and smoothies i do use that quite a lot um but you know just having a basic 25 pound food processor is so worth the money and yours is a bit better than mine because you do chop nuts and, and i've all i've got a large one that i use for um making sort of larger dishes and i've also got a little small little handheld yeah that's quite whizzer. a good tip if you're that's short on really space. useful yeah. yeah a little handheld one but something that was got the pot and the blade in it yeah. that you can whiz up all of the nuts to make your nut roast yeah. or all of the, the beans to make a burger mm. uh, it does make a huge difference so food processor definitely yeah and it saves you a lot of effort you know and time as well it's a really good economical thing to get I would definitely recommend it and if you're really into you know smoothies and stuff like that and, and you roast a lot of nuts and chop them up to make your own peanut butter for example yeah, uh, you might want to get a really good like you know Maggi mix Vitamix something like that, that yeah that's, that's important to say if you're going to use the food processor to do anything that needs needs a lot of hard work so even making pastry can be quite hard work on the motor of a food processor and i make my own peanut butter as well and that the process is going to be on for you know probably 10 minutes or so continuously making peanut butter mm. so if you go, if that's what you're going to do get a reasonably good food processor yeah but get one whatever it is just get one <laughs> and our recipe of the week <laughs> is so good oh. we had it twice Kung Po cauliflower. What an amazing discovery that was. And this is a recipe that comes out of the slow vegan slow cooker cookbook again, um, which we'll put a link on the website. Um, <clears throat> it was just amazing. It was better than restaurant quality, I would say. It was pretty impressive, wasn't it? It, it was amazing. And what, what was so good about this is uh, Sue cooked it for me. So she cooked dinner and I went over to hers to have dinner. And walking into the house, the aroma from this Kung Po cauliflower was incredible. Mm. So what are the basic ingredients? What's in it? Well, not surprisingly, it's got cauliflower in it. Um, it's also got red pepper in it. And then you basically make up the sauce that it goes into. It's really, really good. It's got lots of spices, lots, loads of soy sauce, masses of it, uh, sesame oil, um, all sorts of stuff. And you just basically blend all the chilies and the garlic and all the sauce ingredients together and chuck it in over the cauliflower florets and chopped 
um, onion and chopped red pepper and it just kind of blends this amazing. I mean I couldn't smell it because I was in the house all day with it so I didn't really notice it but you came in and said it smelled like you know a Chinese restaurant in there um, and it was really really good and we actually had it twice within a week because we had a massive cauliflower and also because it was just so good it was absolutely amazing and one of the nice things about it was uh, at the end of it when you serve it up I think we had it noodles one time and cauliflower rice another time. Mm. You chop loads of peanuts and coriander and sprinkle that on top as well, and it makes it really crunchy. So the tendency with slow cooker stuff is it can go a bit soggy, um, and you know obviously you want textures as well as flavors in there. So having the chopped peanuts on top was really good. It was it was amazing. I would definitely recommend you go and look up this compo mm. cauliflower. Mm. Really good, and again slow cooker, so easy to cook. And the aromas are just incredible. Yeah, it was really good. And then ingredient of the week is flaxseed. Flaxseed. Flaxseed, again, is something that I'd never even considered prior to being a vegan. But now it's an absolute essential. Mm. I use it nutritionally. So it's really good. It's really uh, high in uh, protein and um, amino acids. It's got a really good amino acid profile. It's got all of the essential amino acids. Mm. And... So, so it, you only get that um, uh, nutritional value if it's eaten raw. If you start to cook it, that nutritional value wanes. Mm. So I have it on my power porridge breakfast every day. So I sprinkle it on top of porridge. It's also really so I, a good for use uh, to um, thicken things up. So I mentioned we used it in the burgers and in the roast and as an egg replacement so if we ever need to veganize a recipe and it says to use eggs, the way you make a flaxseed egg is you take one tablespoon of flaxseed and two tablespoons of water, put it in a little bowl and leave it for, it takes five, ten minutes or so, and you'll see it will go thick and gloopy, sort of gelatinous. Mm. And that's when you've got your flax egg. So if you've got a recipe and you want to put eggs in, make your flaxseed uh, egg first so it goes gloopy by the time you need to add it to the recipe. And you could do the same with chai seeds as well if you haven't got any flaxseed or linseed. And with, with flaxseed, the important thing is that it is it's, – so flaxseed is, is made from linseed, but it's ground linseeds. Mm. So what I, uh, what I have done in the past is I just keep linseeds in a jar in the store cupboard so that I can add the whole seed to, to recipes if I want to. Or I can then put those linseeds into the uh, into a coffee grinder and turn them into sort of ground flaxseed. Mm. Or I buy ground flaxseed because that's that's Sometimes easier to do. Easier. Yeah. 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 No, it's really good. And all these things, you know, all these little staples. If you have them to hand within your eyesight when you're cooking, you tend to think, oh, yeah, I'll just chuck a bit of that in and I'll add a bit of that. And you're actually adding nutritional value as you're cooking without really giving it a lot of thought. So, you know, you could put flaxseed on pretty much everything or use it as a coating for like crispy crumb or you can put it into your cereals, into your cakes, into your biscuits, as well as using it in all sorts of savoury dishes as well it's just you know all these things if you've got them kind of out and about on your counter you tend to use them sort of quite prolifically just by habit and the the, the thing that i like again about having flaxseed sort of in the store cupboard is that if i find a recipe i don't have to necessarily find a vegan recipe mm. so i think i've mentioned it before i made a beetroot chocolate brownie and it needed eggs in it so i veganized <laughs> the recipe by putting in flaxseed 
to yeah. give the binding comp uh, component of the egg and uh, a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar and a teaspoon of bicarb to give the fizz, to give the fluffiness and the rise. So it, it's good to have that knowledge and those things in stock because you don't have to actually go out and find a vegan recipe you just veganize it mm. and hopefully you know we're appealing to people who are not necessarily vegan but just want to eat more veg and eat more healthily and eat more whole food but kind of overwhelmed by everything that's out there and just don't know where to start so you know again as we always say just kind of make it up as you go along just give it a go and experiment that's what it's about brilliant <coughs> so next episode we are going to talk about uh, black bean sauce stir fry and another of your favourite subjects, flapjacks. Flapjacks, yes, because it's sweet. <laughs> We're also going to talk, uh, give some little tips about going out for dinner to restaurants. Mm, when you're a vegan and everyone else isn't. Um, and recipe of the week is going to be our katsu pumpkin that we've made. And also uh, the ingredient of the week, we're going to look at vital wheat gluten, which I wouldn't say is a store cupboard staple, but for me is a, is a vital ingredient that I keep at home. And we're going to talk about how we make that mm. okay so we look forward to seeing you next week or hearing from you or in the meantime you know look at our website and get in touch with us and uh, hopefully we'll be able to give some shout outs to some new listeners perfect lovely see you All next right. time take care bye. bye thank you for listening and if you have enjoyed this podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from if you'd like to be featured on the show or to send us any comments, please email behealthy at govegan.online. See you soon.